You're listening to The Dropouts. All right, welcome to episode nine of The Dropouts. I'm Jess. And I'm Morgan. And today we are talking about self-care. Before we get into that, let's talk about the vision board Zoom that we had last week. Well, first, I want to say that right before we had the Zoom, which Jess and I had planned, what, like three, four weeks in advance. And um, so, you know, we had all this stuff. We had talked about having, you know, how we were going to format it and everything. And literally an hour before the Zoom was scheduled to happen, there was a severe thunderstorm here where I live and like trees were going down and there was a tornado warning and there was really high winds. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to go to the Zoom. Like you you might have to fly solo, Jess. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it. Um, so the there was times where like my um, internet was a little a little dicey. But overall, I mean, it was amazing. I I am proud that we did it. I just feel like once again, you don't know what you're capable of until you try and until you put yourself in that position. And for me, like I know in the beginning everybody's a little nervous when you get onto a zoom with people you don't know everyone's nervous when you're in a room with people you don't know you know so it's kind of like I just was like who's who's here that's like a little nervous and then I saw like little hands come up on the screen and it's like yeah I'm super (laughs) all of us all of us and the whole point of doing that was it's like whatever you're feeling in this moment chances are somebody else on that screen is feeling it too including me who's supposed to be you know facilitating this whole thing and um you're more chill than I am. Like you're probably cool as a cucumber, but I was like, "Mm, I'm really nervous, but it went really well. And, um, yeah, you just have to get out of your own way. Once again, it's just, (laughs) you just have to get out of your own way. So my question would be, what, what do you think stood out to you the most? And, and what was your biggest personal takeaway from doing the zoom, the vision board zoom? Cause I know you and I obviously worked on our vision boards and we've been talking about this a lot, but did you get anything out of the zoom that you weren't anticipating or that came up for you or thoughts? I, I guess. And I, I didn't really go in with any like crazy expectations because I knew that it was going to flow the way it was meant to flow. And we didn't really know what to expect because it was brand new for us. I knew that your facilitation was going to be amazing, and it was. It put me in a really good mindset. Honestly, when I was going into the Zoom, it was like five minutes before 7.30, and I was like running around, getting the dogs inside. I was just like not really in the mindset that I needed to be in, and I was like, oh, gosh, I was getting kind of nervous. And then you came in with like the guided meditation, all this stuff, and by that, like at that point, then I was like, why am I crying? Like, why do I feel so good right now? crying and laughing I'm not great um but it was really great just like that like feeling vulnerable but like safe at the same time it was really really profound um which that didn't necessarily surprise me because you have that effect on a lot of people so I wasn't I wasn't surprised by that but I was I was um pleased to be able to get put in that mindset I guess because I was like this is not the mindset that I need to be in right now um, but something that really was amazing to watch was some of the people in the Zoom. Like when we opened it up, we were all talking. They were contributing to each other. Like mm-hmm. someone would say, I want to do this. I have this business idea. I need to. These are my like, my obstacles. And then someone else would be like, oh, I have a resource for that. I'm gonna send, What's your name? What's your Instagram? I'll send it to you right now. And it was just yeah. like so 
cool to watch that happen just like that I wish I was literally sitting there I was like oh my god this is so this is so awesome I love it well I think to piggyback off of that like for us we were just always saying like how we want to create a community right like how we want to create this group where people can come and have the ability to express themselves and say things that maybe they don't feel comfortable saying in front of quote unquote the average person and it it really like throughout the zoom it really blossomed into that and watching people all the people that raised their hand in the beginning being like I'm nervous those were all the people that contributed such amazing things not only like for us but for other people in the group and it was it was exactly I had no expectations I only had hopes that that's what it would turn into and that and people exceeded my expectations you know people exceeded my hope for it is maybe the better way to say it but it's It was like, oh, this is exactly the kind of community. This is exactly the kind of group of people that I want to surround myself with and be with and vibe with because these people get it. They get it. They showed up for themselves, first of all, which like I hope everyone that came to that Zoom acknowledges how amazing it is that you even showed up because even if you didn't raise your hand, say anything during that entire Zoom, you showed up for yourself. And I was thinking on the drive here today, actually, I was like, you know, we invest in so many things. We invest in clothes. We invest in houses. We invest in our children's future. We invest in, you know, literal investments. We invest in X, Y, and Z of other people's energy, like our boss. And it's like, how often do we invest in ourselves? How often do we actually take the time to invest in ourselves? And you know where your biggest return of investment is ever going to be is investing in yourself which really circles mm-hmm. to today's topic of self-care. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's just like if anyone listening to this gets anything out of today's topic, invest in yourself. Whatever that means for you. If it means hiring a coach, if it means hiring, you know, a therapist to get you through whatever next stage you have to go to, if it means um, investing in yourself in terms of like starting a business or whatever it is that actually like lights you up, invest in yourself. Because I guarantee when you start to do that, your return is going to come in tenfold. So with that, um, I know that we, we want to dive into the topic soon, but I also want to talk about Bali quick because Jess and I, um, I know I talked about this on the last episode, but in case you missed it or in case you need a recap, we're going to Bali and it is crazy buku bananas. Like I'm just like, I cannot believe we're going to Bali. And it's so funny because like, ironically, after that vision board zoom, you know, I was looking at my vision board and I have several things on there and one of them is Bali. And it's like this beautiful meditation suite overlooking the jungle in Bali. And then somewhere else on my vision board, I have this row of Indonesian elephants. And they're they're all like waiting there kind of in a row. And they're really, they're just so cute. <laughs> but it's like, I re- realized it's like I actually, within a month or like six weeks of doing this vision board, already have manifested something on that vision board that was completely unintentional. I did not think it mm-hmm. was going to be this year, I was just putting it on there like, you know, at some point in my life, I'd like to have this happen, you know, in the next five years. But um, do you want to give some deets, Jess, on on, on yeah. Bali? Because we want you guys to come with us. That's that's yes. the bottom line so is we want everyone to be able to come with. That's the fun thing is yeah. there are still a few spots available. We are going mm-hmm. October 21st to the 26th of this year. 
And to hold your spot, it's only $375. That's it. Yeah, it's very doable. Very, very doable. Insane. So one of our good friends, Kayla, she has started um, this entity called Luxury Retreats. And she is now a licensed uh, travel agent. So, and she's been doing stuff like this on the side for a while, but now she's finally making it more official. This is her first big trip that she's coordinating for people and she's made it so ridiculously affordable. It is like, I still, I'm, I almost like want to ask, I'm like, can I see the math? Because I still don't understand how it's so affordable because mm-hmm. like normally these trips are like two, maybe three times the price. Yeah, And it's just absolutely amazing. So we're going to be staying in this, like, if any of you guys follow us on social media, you've probably seen, I've shared the pictures, Morgan shared the pictures, we've shared it on the podcast. We are literally staying in the most beautiful, like, estate in the jungle. It it, it literally looks like, I mean, it looks like it's straight off Pinterest. Mm-hmm. And it's real. And that's where we're going to be. We're going to literally be there. It is absolutely. And you can come with us. You can come with us. There's still a few spots. And that's also what's really cool is if you sign up by July 1st and you mention to her that you heard it from us, you get $500 off. $500 mm-hmm. off the total price. So she's doing it in pairs. Um, there are some people that don't necessarily have another person to go with. And we're helping like facilitate getting people you know, that, that, that really good price and finding other people to kind of split that price with. So if you tell her, tell her that we sent you, you get $500 off. And then if you find another couple and you refer them, then you also get another $500 off and they get $500 off. So she set up this really cool referral chain so we can all kind of go with people that we know and like, and it just is like the best experience ever. And she coordinates everything all you have to do is show up literally all you have to do is show up she everything from like the transportation from the airport to to the place that we're staying and like meals there's tour like it's literally everything Mm -hmm. and I don't know about you but that's one of the biggest things for me with like it's so overwhelming to travel and then also like worry about logistics and this and I feel like it always takes like the fun out of it because you're just like always trying to stay with that itinerary, making sure that everything's all scheduled. I feel like that just like is so stressful and she takes all of that out of it. And it's like so reasonably priced. I I can't imagine anyone that wouldn't want to go. I really can't. Yeah, I'm I'm beyond I'm beyond excited. Like I know I've hopped on our stories a lot this last week just to talk about it. But so like Jess said, it's it's a pairing, right? So it'd be like you and another person, but that other person doesn't have to be a romantic partner. Like Jess and I paired up to go. And honestly, we decided we were going to go. And after the fact, Kayla reached out and she's like, you know, I think it would be really cool to do this referral program because you guys have such a cool group of people that have kind of orbited around the podcast right like it's like-minded people people looking for adventure people seeking more out of their life and so through the podcast we're hoping that people that listen want to come because if you're listening to the podcast and you already have the frame of mind that's perfect to go to Bali which is like open to experiences open to whatever comes up for you in that moment and experiencing a different corner of the globe and like 
we also she also has it scheduled too so that you have free time and there's a whole free day built in as well beyond like the free time in the evening or whatever but um I know on the day that I have free time I am planning to go to an animal sanctuary that has elephants like an elephant sanctuary and I don't want to ride them I don't want you know them to perform any tricks for me I want it to be very non-animal touristy I just want to spend time with them I just want to be in their presence appreciate their you know size and their gracefulness and I love elephants they're my favorite animal and that's why I put them on my vision board and I just want to like go to the little watering hole with them and use the hose and like bathe them and just spend time with these gorgeous creatures and so anyone that wants to come with me on that day I'm I'm opening that up to anybody who wants to come with like if you come to Bali please come with me that day I would love to share that memory with you guys and yeah I'm just I'm like I literally the other day in my car was driving around and in tears thinking about it like I don't know if you guys have ever seen that Kristen Bell um clip where she where they have like a sloth have you ever seen that She's like obsessed with sloths yeah, and yeah, she was on the like Ellen DeGeneres show and they brought a sloth out and she was like, mm-hmm. or no, it was for her birthday. He like, he's like, and a sloth is coming. And she was like in her bed. She's like, are you serious? There's a sloth coming. And that's like how I feel about elephants. So I'll probably cry that day, but it's okay. It's like happy tears. And I'm just, it's all, all gratitude. Right. So I'm just, I'm thrilled to do that. And then I also have this like envisionment in my head of like all of us sitting around a dinner table and kind of like a candlelit dinner and being open to like no windows being open to the jungle air listening to the sounds of the jungle um having like these gorgeous cocktails you know non-alcoholic or alcoholic cocktails and these beautiful curated meals and just sitting around in the evening having these incredible conversations with you guys and and really like what i want to say is For Jess and I, what you see is what you get. Like these conversations that we have on the podcast pretty much are what we have every day in all of our voice memos. Like we just want to extend this so it's a bigger um, group of people having these conversations that I I believe are are the pillar of self-development, the pillar of communication, the pillar of community. And it's it's not small talk, you know, it's like these meaningful things and like what you want out of life and what, what more influential place to have that than Bali, which is like known for its lush greenery and the most blue waters you've ever seen, the bluest waters you've ever seen and waterfalls and these exotic animals and these beautiful statues and these sacred grounds and these temples and the culture and the rice fields it's like all of this stuff it's it's so it can be so life-changing if you let it be and so you know we just want you guys to come with because we want you to experience it like regardless whether people go or not we're going you know we're going we just want to extend the invitation to you guys so um I really, really, really hope you guys sign up. And if you are thinking about it and you're really interested, um, message us and we'll get you in touch with Kayla. You can DM us and we'll send you her way and she can get you more information on that. But um, we have her yeah, tags she in takes... our highlights as well. Yeah. Too, so yeah. Like we've got some of the information if you need to look at it. So yeah. But all you have to do is show up at the airport, guys. Like literally show up at the airport. And she has payment plans too. So 
Um, there's really very few reasons I can think why somebody wouldn't be able to go. And if, if you're single and you're like, I don't know of any friend or any other person I would want to go with, we've had a couple people reach out with that same, um, concern and, you know, you could definitely split the cost and room with somebody else. Like how often are you really going to be in your room anyways, throughout the experience? Like you, I've traveled internationally before and, and truly, the only time you're in your room is to sleep and get ready, but you're out and about most of the other times because you're experiencing a different culture in a different corner of the globe. So um, just something to keep in mind. If you're like, I really want to go, but I don't know who I'd bring. It's like, guess what? We can play we will help friend you. matchmaker. That is not yeah. going to stop. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Matchmaker, matchmaker. <laughs> Cutting that part out. <laughs> so anyways the other thing I want to quickly bring up I'm gonna do a little bit of like check this out kind of a thing so the other thing I want to point out is I started an ancillary podcast called the daily dash and the reason that I started it is because I noticed like Jess and I have these really profound deep conversations and I think they're so helpful for people and I know that they're helpful for people because people message us and tell us that the material that we are presenting to you guys is helping reshift and reframe things and people's lives are starting to change because they're seeing the world and all of the possibility and abundance instead of all of the scarcity and restrictions, right? So people are starting to see all of these amazing things for themselves simply just by listening to the conversations that we have, which I'm not saying that in a braggadocious way. I'm saying it because I think having these conversations is helpful for people. But what I want to say is we have that like great conversation on Sundays that you guys can listen to. But then throughout the week, it's kind of like you're on your own, you know, like unless you're seeking things out to, you know, reframe your mind throughout the week, you're kind of on your own until Sunday. So what I wanted to do is I started a podcast called The Daily Dash. And if you look it up, it's kind of got like pink cow print in the background and it's like a green smoothie. Um kind of like your daily dash of vitamins and water and nourishment that you need. And it's a daily dash of reframing or giving context or presenting things differently so that you can start your day in a, in a, in a way that's mindful and intentional. And I have all sorts of different topics, but it's usually every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I release an episode. Um, I'm working on trying to increase it and give some more content. I'm still kind of I'm throwing noodles at the wall right now and seeing what sticks really. So it's all, it's been fun. I'm just kind of seeing what happens, but they're 10 minutes or less or around 10 minutes or less. I think my longest one is 12 minutes. And that was me telling a story of Howard Schultz who started uh, Starbucks. Cause I think it's incredibly inspirational, but most of them are 10 minutes or less. So, you know, when you're getting up in the morning and you're making your bed or you're getting your coffee or you're just going through your, you know, monotony, you can easily listen to it. And then get your brain primed for the day to look at things a little differently. So I just wanted to mention that. You can check it out. I'll put it in the show notes if you guys want to follow that. But um, yeah, I, I'm really excited to do it. It's truly the best. And like bias aside, like, yes, you're like my best friend. But bias <laughs> aside, it is the best part of my morning. My mom listens to it now. And actually, she I haven't does. told you this. She does. She does. Um, I can't. And I, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> she's like, she's. She'll like literally she hears your voice before she hears mine. She's like, Oh, I hear Morgan. Mama Kit Kat. Um, <laughs> Mama Kit Kat. But I've made my bed every single morning. Like, cause if like you say Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I will re-listen to another one in, in the mornings because like it 
helps get me out of bed and I absolutely love it. I love like just like the short whatever. Actually, it's gotten to the point because when my dogs hear that I wake up, I think they can hear when I breathe different because they know that I'm awake and they will go nuts until I come and like address them. (laughs) But now they've been hearing and they probably know your voice too because we talk so much, but (laughs) they hear it and they just are quiet. They like let me just listen. It's, It's like so peaceful. I do. I make my bed. My bed is made every single morning. I didn't even make my bed as a kid. My mom made me. Like, she would be like, make your bed. And I'd be like, what? I can't hear you. I'm going to school. Bye. Uh, and bye. Like, <laughs> my bed is made. It feels so freaking good. Like, I get excited to do that, which is so weird for me because I'm, what, like 26? I've never, ever done that before. But I, then I do some stretching and I do, like, my morning thing and listening to it. And I just feel so much better, truthfully. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks. I appreciate the feedback. That's nice. That's that's exactly what it was intended to be is kind of just a way to start to do these little things in your everyday life to make the shift to because when you do the little things that it makes the big things easier. And when she's talking about making her bed, there's an episode where I talk about making your bed and it's more than making your bed. There is an integrity behind it in doing Mm -hmm. something for yourself and honoring that every day and starting your day off with a small accomplishment um but yeah that's what she's talking about when she's like I'm making my bed now and yeah, um, at first I was like yeah. okay like all right yeah whatever. Right. like this is it's not gonna really make a big difference <laughs> I was wrong <laughs> and it really does and now I like look forward to making my bed which is so weird but I love it yeah I feel so yeah. good well in your space like how you honor the space that you're in too it's it makes a difference you know like clutter creates anxiety and when you have a space that you're honoring it just makes everything feel a little more blissful I think so anyways I just wanted to mention that and um give give myself a shout out I don't know (laughs) if you weren't gonna do it I was so but you said you said it a lot better than I would (laughs) but I I don't know um but anyways with that is there anything else that you want to do for housekeeping before we jump in I don't think so. Well, in terms of the Patreon, I know some people were messaging after the Zoom call, people that either who were able to join or who weren't able to join. And they were asking if we were going to have another one open to the public. A lot of them have subscribed Mm. to the Patreon. So we will have a more intimate Patreon experience, a Zoom call with those people, which I love, like the intimate, like 10 people less, whatever. I think it is like so valuable. But I think we are going to try to do... So those are the first of the month with the Patreon folk. And then I think we're going to try to do the 15th of the month at night and do one open to everybody. So you guys can kind of experience that community. Because I feel like Mm -hmm. you don't really know until you experience it. And you're like, oh, wow, that's like, that's huge. Just that feeling Mm -hmm. that you have. I had messages from probably every single person after we got off. And they were like, that was phenomenal. Like, I was not expecting that. And I was like, right? Snaps and claps. (laughs) Like, it was great. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to doing more. And I think Jess and I will have to sit down and figure out, like, do we want to do a vision board style one every time? Or do we want to change it up with topics and see, you know, because as the community grows, obviously, every new person that listens to the podcast is starting from ground zero, right? In terms of like what we teach and and how we're teaching it. And so I don't know if we have like a ground zero kind of a style every month where it's like, yeah, this is like where we start. We start at the vision board and then have kind of um, 
I don't know. We'll have to figure out how to facilitate it and see and see who's idea. interested it's kind in coming. Of like the ground zero, like the intro, like this yeah. is where you start, and then they can yeah. If they decide I know... to join the Patreon, we can dive into different yeah. things every month with that. Yeah, yeah. and do more of like a Q and A for Patreon members and stuff like that. But I know there was people that wanted to go to the Vision Board Zoom, but it just didn't line up for their schedule this particular time. So maybe in the month of July we can do it again. And if there was people that missed out or who were nervous to show up, which is okay too, but like. Maybe we should grab some testimonials from the people that came so that other people can see how influential it was. All you'd have to do is show up. You know, like all you have to do yeah, is you don't even hop have to on talk. the Zoom. You don't have to you don't talk have to have if your you're video nervous. On. You don't have to do it. Just, no. like, just be there. Just experience and you might find, that energy. Yeah. And I think people honestly find once they're experiencing it, how unscary it is. And that's such mm-hmm. a great representation of everything in life right like we build these things up to be these big scary things and when you're actually doing it you're like this is this is Mm -hmm. actually quite helpful and incredible um so yeah anyways um we we will definitely facilitate some more zooms and maybe we'll put a poll up on our um instagram story about if people want to do another vision board zoom or something else we'll we'll find we'll figure it out yeah we'll figure out the details we'll we'll talk about it but with that being said, I say we dive into self-care, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, <clears throat> what I have to say about self-care is, is it's a lot deeper than probably what a lot of people initially think of self-care. Um, you know, a lot of us think of like the commercialized version of self-care, which would be like bubble baths or candles or wine or manicures and pedicures, which those are all amazing things. Those are definitely all adjuncts to life that are enjoy, enjoy, that are joyful. Enjoy. I'm having a stroke. <laughs> that are enjoyable. I love you. Those are all, yeah. What the fuck? I was like, oh my God, what's the word? Um, call 911 help me um (laughs) those are all adjuncts of life that are enjoyable right like they enhance your experience but it's not really true it's not really true self-care it's such a tiny amount of what self-care actually is and what self-love actually is because you can't talk about self-care without talking about self-love and I know that's cliche for people but I'm gonna tell you all the reasons why self-care is probably the number one thing you have to do before you can do anything in this life. And when I was thinking about what I wanted to say and contribute for this episode of self-care, I inherently knew that most of this is probably going to be geared towards women. And what I will say is if you're a man and you're listening to this, this isn't discrediting you. This isn't discounting you from listening to this episode. I want you to still listen to this episode because everything is applicable to you too. We're all human beings regardless of gender. It's just societally, I think women have a harder time with self-care than men do. And I also think if you're a man listening to this, while it's applicable to you, it might give you a different perspective too for all of the women in your life and how you can better understand some of the barriers that we mentally come up against um, in a different way. And I'll explain what I mean in a minute. But do you know why I knew this would be mostly to women? It's because females are conditioned from a very, very young age to abandon self. And what I will 
preface this episode with and the content is if you're a mom, if you're a mother, this is going to get a little extra tender for you. (laughs) And you'll see why. But I want everyone to think about Mother's Day cards. And when you go to Target or Walgreens or wherever and you're browsing the Mother's Day section and you're gearing up to get that card, how many of those cards serve the accolade of selflessness as a badge of honor? It's almost every card you pick up is says something like, you are the most selfless person I know. Thank you for being such a selfless person. You've given us everything, you know? And that's where conditioning starts, not with Mother's Day cards, but in in all of the aspects of society that are similar to that. So do you know when conditioning starts? It's the societal preying on women's nature to be givers. It's as children, really, because even think about the little girls that go to pick out these cards for their mom. What are they reading in these cards? She must be a good mom if she's selfless. That's what this card is telling me. Good women are selfless. Good moms are selfless. Good girls are selfless. They don't take. They give. They give so much of themselves away that they are less of themselves. And women and girls are conditioned so early to look outside of themselves, to have others tell us what we quote unquote should need. And there is this gorgeous example of this. And I say gorgeous in a tragic sense, but she explains it so profoundly. And it's um, by Glennon Doyle. And if you don't follow Glennon Doyle or know who she is, I highly encourage you after you listen to our podcast to check her out because she is phenomenal and she has so much wisdom and grace and empathy and sincerity and authenticity. I think she she's a wonderful example of human being. But she wrote a book called Untamed. And in this book, she describes how her son Chase is having this big group of friends over to watch a movie. So picture it. It's like a co-ed group of adolescents. They all come over to the house. They're all crammed in the living room. You know, all the guys and girls are on the floor and the couches and all the extra chairs and they're watching this show. And as moms do, she pops her head around, she pops her head around the corner and she says, is anybody hungry? And all of the boys without hesitation, without missing a beat in unison, none of them look up from the TV in unison. They all go, yes. And then Glennon has this observation that ended up being really profound for her. She said this almost happened in slow motion as she was watching this all play out. But all these guys just go, yes. And then the girls in the group all pause and they're all silent. And every single girl looks away from the TV. And where do you think that they all look? They look to each other. They're looking at each other to figure out if they should be hungry or not. And so every girl, every single girl to find out if she is hungry, if herself is hungry, looks not to herself, but to others. And she says in this like really strange, almost telepathic way, like they all like beep, boop, beep, boop, like, you know, like almost telepathically elect one girl to speak for the whole, to answer for the whole. And she, this one girl politely and kindly says, no, thank you. We're fine. So Glennon is watching this and she thinks to herself, what just happened here? The boys had a need, which was hunger, to fulfill hunger. And no hesitation was made in making that need known. They felt the need to eat where they were offered food and they just inherently said yes, because they went inward. They were like, yep, hungry, yes. But the girls, on the other hand, all looked externally to see 
how they should be feeling. So instead of each girl individually assessing her need to fulfill hunger, they looked to others to tell them how they should not only feel, but react. So girls are taught to please. Girls are taught to look outside themselves for permission and consensus. So simply put, self-care is meeting our needs. But how many of us don't even know what our needs are? We've been looking externally for so long for what we should be needing and should be wanting and should be asking for. We don't even know authentically what our personal needs are anymore. Because we've all been conditioned to look externally for what that should be. And oftentimes, when we talk about self-care, it's an external approach. So we look externally, and then we get an external approach. So it's skincare, and it's manicures, and it's pedicures, and it's coffee dates, right? And those are all wonderful, but that's not true self-care in a holistic approach. You're saying, world, tell me what I need. But when you ask the world what you need, what you're going to get in response is a commercialized answer. Because the self-care industry is a $450 billion industry. It's marketing and it's genius. Treat yourself, right? Treat yourself. Self-care has become the anomaly instead of the norm. And self-care has also become so commercialized and superficial that we've lost the depth of what self-care actually is. So look at situations and ask yourself, especially if you're doing something for the sake of your children, you might be doing something for them, right? Staying in the job that doesn't serve you, staying in the relationship that doesn't serve you as an example. But would you want what you're tolerating for them? Would you want them to experience what you're putting yourself through? The situation, what priorities you have, the feelings of shame we keep ourselves in, would you want that for the people you care about? And for example, you may be telling yourself, I'm staying in this job for my kids. But would you want that job for your kids? And the reason that I pose that question like that is because why do we do it to ourselves? Why do we not treat ourselves with the same level of respect and care and compassion that we have for other people? And when I was thinking about this, I thought about when I was working at the psychiatric facility and I would, from time to time, I literally would drift into, I wonder what it would be like if my mom worked here, or I wonder what it would be like if my dad worked here. I wonder if it, what it would be like if Adam worked here. What would that be like for them? And it made me horribly sad when I would think about that. And what's even sadder now that I look back at that moment in my life that time span in my life and I reflect on it, it's even sadder that I thought it was okay to do to myself. It made me sad to think of other people living the life that I had at that place. But I was so conditioned to just think that that is what was okay for me. And it wasn't. So if you're thinking about whatever situation that maybe you're doing for other people and you're thinking, well, would I want that for them? Would I want them to be doing this? And if the answer is no, then why do we subject ourselves to it? And that is the epitome of lacking self-care. It's abusive to ourselves. And when you're having a hard time thinking, well, I'm an adult, I can handle it. I want you to think of yourself as a little kid. 
as a little five-year-old version of yourself. And I literally want you to envision him or her. What were you wearing? Did you have pigtails? Did you wear your hair in a braid? Did you have glasses? Did you have cute little crooked teeth with freckles? Were your favorite shoes red or jelly shoes? Or did you always wear dresses? Like, Think of yourself when you were five years old in the state that you imagine yourself that was authentically you when you were five. And when you think about that little kid and you're abandoning yourself as an adult, you're actually abandoning that little kid. And that's really sad. So many people abandon everything about themselves and call it good parenting. But meanwhile, do you know what you're doing when you're abandoning yourself? You're modeling that for your children. You're modeling something so devastating. And as unintentional as it is, that's how your kids are seeing what adulthood is, what it means to be a quote-unquote good parent is to abandon yourself. So then we have this cycle of abandonment. But what happens is when you listen to things like this or you start to read more and you become aware of it, then you can change it because when you know better, you do better. And we've been so conditioned to believe that being a good parent or being a good spouse or being a good friend is to be a martyr. We are trained and taught and conditioned to believe that good parenting or good whatever, insert role here, is abandoning yourself and being completely selfless, which is why a lot of women also don't have great boundaries. So when did it become a compliment to say she's so selfless. It has been held up to us as a mirror to reflect how quote-unquote good we are, how well we abandon ourselves in lieu of meeting everybody else's needs but our own. Selflessness has become the epitome of womanhood, and it's been made a pillar of women's success is how selfless she is, how much of herself she has given away. And I want you to think of the word for a second, selfless. Reverse it. Selfless is less self. Lessen yourself. Lessen how you serve yourself. And that is the gauge for us to decide how you rate as a woman, as a partner, as a mom. How much have you lessened yourself to become what is perceived to be the conditioned epitome of being a good woman, a good whatever? And for men, I would say, you know, going back to that Mother's Day card thing, when you read Father's Day cards, it's you're such a hard worker. You work so hard for us. You know, so there is definitely this societal expectation that we've held to men, too, that's not fair. The harder you work, the better of a dad you are. The more time you spend away from home making money and trying to make ends meet, that's how good of a dad you are, you know? And so I just want to bring to everyone's awareness what we've been conditioned to believe as both men and women, how much of ourselves we have to give away in order to be considered a perfect fit for that role. We cannot love ourselves well if we do not have a self, if we do not love self. And Glennon Doyle says, you cannot say I love you if you don't even know what that I is. Do you know what love isn't? It is not martyrdom. You do not have to martyr yourself in the name of love. If anything, it is quite the opposite of what love actually is. Because when you abandon yourself, you're also abandoning your children. You're abandoning your relationships. 
you're abandoning your very essence. You're abandoning how you show up in the world. When you rob yourself, you are robbing others. And how many of us have abandoned ourselves for far too long? Self-care is the foundation for all relationships. You have to start with you. So what is the opposite of caring for something? Things that come to my mind are abusing, neglecting, abandoning. We don't tend to our emotional selves. How many of us have been taught politeness over voice? Someone else's comfort is more important than yours. Bury your emotions and be more palatable to the world. Instead of using emotions like a gauge as information to evaluate and navigate, we are taught to bury it. And then what happens? Maladaptive behaviors happen. So think right now to yourself, figure out all the ways that you're currently that you are currently abandoning yourself and at, be honest with the ways that you're sabotaging yourself. Excessive screen time, substance abuse, overindulging in food or alcohol, overspending or online shopping, infidelity. I mean, those are all ways that we abandon ourselves and we sabotage ourselves. Because real self-care is honoring yourself. Focusing on yourself is not selfish. Honoring your needs and your desires, that is not selfish. It's not a bad thing to honor yourself. You cannot show up in this world unless you are showing up for yourself first. And you've probably heard the saying that you cannot pour from an empty cup. But what I want to encourage you as you listen to this and what I want to teach you is that you don't even need to be pouring from the cup. You should be pouring from the saucer. You should be pouring from the overflow of that cup. You need to make sure your cup is full all the time. You keep your cup full and you nourish yourself so that you can show up for others in the best version of you, in your most authentic alignment with you, so that you have a well to draw from. So when I think of selfishness, I believe true selfishness in the way that it should be defined and how we think of it is not when you're taking care of yourself first. That is not selfishness. Selfishness is taking from others in order to meet your needs on a whim, to feed your needs on a whim. It's taking from others with no regard for them. Selfishness is not feeding yourself. It's taking away. Selfishness is asking others to give something up that's depleting to them so that you can have it. And that is different, very, very different energy than ensuring that your needs are met and that your cup is full. Those are very different versions of selfishness. There's a place where we fill ourselves up first and we get to know ourselves and we get to love ourselves. And that is the place that we give from. We don't give from depletion because you cannot give from depletion. You cannot give what you do not have. You know, when you leave a coffee cup out, like maybe earlier in the morning and you haven't washed it yet and you come back later in the day to do the dishes and there is like that little ring of coffee at the bottom. Maybe you didn't finish that, right? It's this like crusty coffee ring. When you're pouring from an empty cup, that's what you're scraping from the bottom of the cup to serve to people is this like crusty leftover. It's like crusty ass leftover, right? Like who wants that? Mm. yeah mm, yeah mm, best version of coffee i've ever had (laughs) so you either have this like piping hot gorgeous latte or you have the crusty leftovers that's been sitting out for the day 
Which one do you want served to you when you go to the coffee shop? Do you want the crusty leftovers or do you want the piping hot latte that has all the deliciousness to it? And like, think of yourself in those versions. You can either serve people the full, hot, delicious coffee that you can serve by filling yourself up, or you can scrape the crap off the bottom, the little dustings, and sprinkle that on the plate in front of them. Be like, here, I made this for you. Thanks. Great. Can't wait. I'll cut (laughs) it with... Thanks. I'll get a fork. (laughs) (laughs) So when you're giving from depletion, imagine yourself scraping that crusty leftover coffee from the bottom, and that is what we tend to do when we give and give and give and give and never take the time to ensure that our own cup is not only full but running over with abundance. So yes, some of the ways to fill the cup might be things like we talked about earlier, which is like the bubble baths and the manicures and the pedicures and stuff. But I will tell you, as somebody who's always made sure that her hair is done and dyed and blonde, you know, or whatever, I've gone through many phases of hair color, but I've always made sure it's done. I can tell you that good hair isn't going to make up for living a life where you are not being authentic to yourself. Because I was, when I was a nurse, I know my hair was always done. It was always curled. It was always freshly dyed. It did not matter. It added nothing to my life having my hair done. So that external superficial self-care that we pretend makes us feel better, when you're truly not serving yourself, it doesn't matter. It might have given me like a day of being like, oh, I look, this is like really pretty and I really like it. But day to day to day, it didn't matter. So what I will say is there's nothing wrong with doing those things for yourself. The external self-care tactics enhance your life, but true self-care is living authentically and fully. So what, with that, what fills your cup, right? Like what's the question, what's the answer to that? What fills your cup? What feeds your soul and what drains it? And if you were to make a pie chart of your life, how much of it would be things that drain you, that drain your very being, and things that fill you up? And your goal in life is to have the pie chart be things that are fulfilling. That's where overflow happens. So find clarity. Show up in authenticity instead of obligation. Do things that energize your being. And I think of all the external things like the massages or the hair care or the pedicures or the coffee or all of that stuff. All the stuff, right? This stuff. That's like the cream that you add to the coffee. It enhances the coffee, but it's not coffee. That's the stuff that makes your cup run over. It's the cream to the coffee, but it isn't the coffee. The coffee is ensuring that you're doing things that serve you internally, that service you authentically. That would be like a career that lights you up. Honoring boundaries with yourself and other people in your life. Surrounding yourself with people who have a higher frequency, so the people you hang out with. They say that we are a sum of the five people we hang out with the most. So filling your mind and with enriching materials and information, having experiences that light you up. For me, like one of those things is traveling. I love traveling. I think one of the most beautiful things that we can do for ourselves as human beings is to live outside of the bubble that we've created to go to different corners of the globe and see what it means to be a human being over there. Because usually what you find is not that much different in terms of how we are as humans. But the culture, the environment, the landscape, that's all different. That's so beautiful. 
And then the real beauty comes in the connection with the people that live there. Other things that serve me up wholly are giving the animal rescue, having conversations with people who are riding the same energy wavelengths as me or who are riding at a higher frequency than me of a level that I aspire to be at, listening to stories of inspiration, spending quality time with people that I love, people that don't have expectations from me, right? People that can share space with me, that can enjoy a reciprocal presence, having autonomy with my business. I don't have to answer to anybody but me, and that makes me happy. That fills my cup. Having choice in my day, having control over my day and how I go through it, supporting other people's dreams and goals. That for me is coffee. That's my coffee. The cream is like the massages and the nicely curated spaces with the beautiful couch and the pillows or getting my hair done or buying shoes. It all adds to the coffee, but it's not it. So you have to fill your cup with soulful things and then enhance it with the rest. That's self-care. And like I said before, you cannot give anything that you don't have. And your real work is figuring out where your power base is and to work on alignment with your personality and the gifts that you have and the real reason that you're here. So your real work is figuring out where your power base is, where your authentic self is, and to work on the alignment of that with your personality, the gifts that you have and the real reason that you're here. You work on yourself, you fill yourself up, and then you keep yourself full. And you have to stop being afraid to honor yourself. All anyone really wants in this world, when you think about it, everyone wants to fulfill the highest, truest expression of themselves. You listening to this, all you really want in this life is to fulfill the highest, truest expression of you. That is what human beings want at the end of the day. And your number one job while you are on this planet, while you have this physical plane of existence, is to fill yourself up and make yourself whole. It is the foundation for everything you will ever build and everything you will ever do in this life is knowing who you are first. And knowing who you are comes from the most divine alignment of service to yourself and then honoring the feedback that you receive from self. And it's only when you do that that you have the ability to offer your full expression and full self to the rest of the world, to the people closest to you. It's only when you have true self-care that you can operate in this world serving others the best version of you. Can you imagine if everyone engaged in self-care in that way? If everyone was truly aligned with themselves, the world would be so free of so much pain and angst and anger and frustration. You have to find the things that are your coffee. And you have to figure out what you're pouring out of your cup or from your saucer, the things that aren't serving you. And I'll let Jess take it from there because I've pretty much said all I can say, but I know she has some things to say about what doesn't fill your cup. Oh, do I? Um, and I really, I just really love that analogy with the coffee, the cream, pouring from the saucer, everything. And I think not only is it important to fill up your cup and keep it full, and part of that is not pouring from your cup into the wrong things. Mm -hmm. We talked about this a little bit before where, you know, you're don't dump 
into the wrong things, things that don't fulfill you, things that don't deserve your time, energy, attention, because you you truly are dumping out of your cup and then you're going to end up with the crusty bottom, nasty stuff. Nobody wants that. You don't want to give that to anybody. Nobody wants to receive that. Coffee aside, I mean, like anything, you have to have a strong foundation. Just like self-care, you know, getting getting the tan, your hair done. And these are all things that I do. They make me happy. But those are kind of like band-aids. If, if you don't have a strong foundation of self-care where you're honoring yourself before anything else, the rest of that are just... just putting like duct tape over the crack of a foundation like that's not gonna hold Mm -hmm. it's not gonna fix anything might make you feel kind of cool like oh like I like my hair right now and then you know what are you left with a shitty foundation like (laughs) that's what it comes down to and one of especially this last year I found that one of the biggest forms of self-care for myself is saying no Mm -hmm. saying no setting boundaries it is truthfully the most fulfilling form of self-care like I said I love I always have my nails done like this and that that's all great and it you know it would feel good at the moment or in the moment but (laughs) saying no feels so good and I think especially someone both of us coming from healthcare, really any industry where you're serving other people in, you know, a very selfless manner, like that was our job. Like you didn't really have a choice. Like we were so conditioned to just accept that. Mm -hmm. Like we had to give everything to the patients and to our employers and you are left with almost nothing. Mm-hmm. at that point that's what you're you're used to doing and I, it took me a very long time really over this last year of being out of EMS and I guess the last like you know six seven months of being out of healthcare completely where that it doesn't have to be like that whether you are still in healthcare or still in the service industry or you know a mom you can say no doing that is truly the highest form of self-care you're essentially prioritizing your well-being over any obligation, relationships, things that don't serve you. And something that actually very kismet that we're, well, re-recording <laughs> this <laughs> podcast today is a friend of mine messaged me this morning. She sent me a voice memo and she's like, I got invited to this party with this group of friends that I used to be friends with. They're all married, have kids, live in these massive houses. I just really don't want to go, but I don't know what to say. Like, can you help me come up with an excuse to not, to not go? I was like, no is a complete sentence. Mm -hmm. You don't have to tell someone why you aren't doing something. If you have that gut feeling or any negative feelings surrounding a situation or something that you are going to go do or anything that you're putting time, energy, whatever into, if you don't feel good about it, that's your body telling you something. That's your brain telling you. This isn't something that you truthfully want to do. So don't do it. And you don't need to have an excuse. You don't. You don't need to have a reason. Just just say no. Obviously, there's ways to do it without being rude. But you don't need to come up with some excuse. Yeah. You don't. Saying no is saying yes to you. Mm-hmm. If it's something that you feel obligated to do, 
and it's something that isn't going to fulfill you, you're not honoring yourself. You're doing something for the wrong reason. You're doing it out of whatever reason, like I said, obligations or otherwise, that that's not honoring yourself. And every time you say no to something that doesn't fulfill you, that's teaching yourself to respect yourself. You're respecting your time, your energy, your overall well-being. And something that this friend also mentioned, because I kind of went into it as I'm running around <laughs> this morning, and she's like, yeah, my mom, my mom always said growing up, it's like, well, you know, sometimes we just have to do things we don't want to do. And we're like, do we though? Right. Do we really? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I guess maybe as a kid, there's a lot of things that kids don't want to do and that's, you know, but it's, it's conditioning. You don't have to do things you don't want to do. You don't want to do it. There's a reason and you should unpack that if it's not fulfilling you, if it's, you know, and it, there's just so many different reasons. And I actually mentioned this to her and I was like, I know you feel guilty saying no. And something that's really helped me. And I think ever since becoming a small business owner, more than ever, I, and I say this all the time, time is money. My time, any time that I'm spending with someone doing something, whatever, that's apart from the business is time that I could be spending for the business or directly making money or, or working on myself or doing something like th that's all time. And obviously like, I like to go do things with friends and I like to go you know, spend an evening out or whatever, but th that is all valuable time. Your time is valuable. And I told her, I was like, this is actually something that I think helped me at the beginning, especially when I did feel really guilty saying no, my time is, my time is money. My time is worth something. And if it's not something that's going to fulfill me, like I'm going to use that time for something else and that's okay. And now I don't, I don't need any excuses, but I was like, if that's something that you need to internally to internally help you do this without feeling guilty, then do it. You know, it's all about reframing. It's all about kind of retraining your brain to honor yourself. And not, not that I think it's good to look for excuses or try to lie to yourself or whatever, but if that's a way to reframe it, so you're like, okay, well, I might not want to go because I don't want to be around a bunch of little annoying children for people that I don't really like care to hang out with. <laughs> and I have, you know, just, just sit down, give yourself grace. Remember that it is okay to say no. You should be saying no. You can't say yes to everything. That's how you end up with the crusty stuff at the bottom of your cup. Mm -hmm. So Sherry Salata, who's a, she used to be an executive producer on the Oprah show and the vice president, I believe of Harpo Studios, but she has a book called The Beautiful No. Most of the book I believe is about more how no can turn into a yes in some other way. But I think that's really applicable because saying no to something is not only saying yes to yourself, but it might also be saying yes to a different opportunity or a different experience or a different encounter or a different relationship where that energy is going to be met because you're coming at it with authenticity and it's going to be more valuable and beneficial, not only for you, but whoever you decide to instead give that energy to or whatever it is that you give that energy to in lieu of the thing that you didn't want to do. Because when you do things out of obligation, that's a low minutia energy thing. 
you know when somebody's at a party who wants to be there and who doesn't. And you know that feeling that you get with like the people that don't want to be there, it brings the party down. It's like I would have rather you just not come than bring the whole energy down because there's people that do want to be here and they're having a great time. But when you're doing things out of obligation and insincerity, you're not doing anyone a favor. But what if you would have harnessed that energy and instead done something with it that served you and in in turn served something else or someone else in a more impactful way? And also, maybe Jess was going to go into this, but I feel too when you're pouring your energy and resources and time into things that you feel obligated to do, the pour almost has like more velocity to it. Like it's more draining. That cup depletes itself faster. You know, like I think of when I was a when I was a nurse and that I mean I didn't have anything left in my cup at the time, but it was like, you know, that overtime shift that I didn't want to work, man, the velocity of that pour was twice as fast if it would have been something I actually wanted to do. So that energy builds up. It builds momentum. And when you're giving yourself to things that you don't want to do, that pour is a lot faster. And then you have to try to figure out how to fill it back up. And that's like a race you're not going to win. Yeah, yeah you're dumping. dumping. You're, you're like dumping literally like coffee. tipping it over. It's like all of a sudden it yeah. spilled out all over like the it's... counter because you gave to something. Yeah, it gets out mm-hmm. of control because you're just giving to all these things that you don't mm-hmm. want to give to. And it just gets out of control because I remember that was I remember that feeling very, very vividly. Where it's just like I feel like I'm giving, giving, giving to all these things that doesn't that don't fulfill me because you're not getting anything back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You're you're emptying the cup, but not nothing's filling it back up. So that's a great point. Like when you're doing something because you want to do it, you're filling yourself back up. Like it's a self fulfilling cycle, filling itself back up. Whereas like yeah, when you when you're doing things that you don't want to do. I, I, I've poured 17 cups of coffee and I haven't even filled up one yet. You know, definitely. What is it? One step, one step forward, two steps back. You're never going to be able to catch up with that. Mm -hmm. And then you, you know, most of us, most of the people listening to this might be identifying something in their life where it's like, yeah, I have this thing and I know it doesn't fulfill me, but X, Y, and Z are all the reasons I can't leave or I can't do this thing. And it's like, well, What's the cost, though? What's the cost of not doing that thing? I'd be interested to hear after this, after you listen to this, if you have a different perspective on self-care. Yeah. I totally forgot that I had mentioned when you were talking, like, last time, how the whole, like, child, like, the girls saying, like, no, I'm fine. Because it's like, we're, as females, like, we're conditioned to just feel like an inconvenience. Yeah, and Glennon Doyle says, we will fine ourselves to death we're fine. Mm -hmm. I'm fine. Are you upset right now? Are you mad? No, I'm fine. You know, like how often are we just taught to like bury it, bury it. And then what happens? Like all of that, then it all builds up like, cause you've been finding yourself like I'm fine. I'm there was actually, this is something I didn't talk about last time, but there was, um, I tried to find the article, but I couldn't, but in a different podcast I was listening to, they were talking about how women, um, have a how many women die in restaurants because they're choking and they go to the bathroom because they don't want to choke, they don't want to inconvenience mm-hmm. people by choking, <laughs> so they go to the bathroom because they're gonna go deal with it themselves and then they end up choking, suffocating in the bathroom and people find them dead in the bathroom. Wait, 
speaking of that in healthcare, I was a C, like a certified CPR instructor. And one of the guys that taught us CP, like taught the CPR instructors to do the instructing, he was like, you know, it's not really part of the curriculum, but we should like, it wouldn't be bad to teach some of them, like how to give yourself the Heimlich maneuver. And then like, he said something that was like targeted towards women. And at the time I was like, okay, that's so stupid. And when you said that, it immediately made me think of that moment. Like, yeah, and they women? make this point because – so you're at dinner with your family, right? And then you start to choke, and you don't want to disrupt the family dinner. And then what happens also when you're choking? You probably are making a bunch of goofy faces. So you don't want to be – you don't want to be not pretty, right? Lord forbid we're not pretty. So you're choking to death and you literally go to the bathroom so you can mm-hmm. deal with it on your own. So you're not inconveniencing the dinner. So you're not ruining the family dinner. So the attention isn't on you so that you don't look ugly and stupid. So you kindly, politely, you politely get up from the table and go politely die in the bathroom. Seriously. <laughs> like, I will be busy I don't even want you. I'm yeah, just going to, to politely go so choke go to death. Bathroom. But carry on with your dinner. I would hate <laughs> to interrupt it. <laughs> yeah, I don't want I don't want to inconvenience your so dinner experience. I'll take myself elsewhere. It's like there's but there's like That's this so fucking gross. imbalance between That is a phenomenon that happens. Is women get up and they go to the bathroom when they're dying. They can't even make their needs known. They can't even make their needs known when they're dying, that they need air, that they need help. They can't even ask for help when they're dying. (laughs) No air by chance works. (laughs) How am I supposed to breathe with no air? it's true though dead in the bathroom at a Chili's like okay and like another podcast I listened to which is this is like an excellent point but um I listened to or I don't listen to it as much anymore but I used to listen to it all the time my favorite murder and they tell stories all the time of women being murdered right like and they do it in a very victim friendly way you know like they don't shame the victim ever and they're very cognizant of telling the victim stories yeah um but what they say all the time is fuck politeness because a lot of the times you know you don't want to make the guy mad you don't want to say no they offer you a ride okay yeah or can I use your phone can I come in and use your phone you know one time this is like actually kind of a scary story but one time when I was in college there was a neighbor that came and asked to use my phone very late at night and I yeah it was very very weird it was very weird and I look back at that and I'm like you know he could have easily done something I mean I actually told him he could use my phone but he'd have to wait in the doorway like he could not come in but even that for me I was like oh I feel like I'm being impolite no, I'm pretty sure there was ulterior motive there. Like, you have a phone. You have an entire family in that house across the street. Why are you coming over to my door to ask for my phone? But I was, I don't, I don't want to be impolite. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. So at my own safety, sure, you can use my phone. And they say it all the time. Yeah. And they I'm say, so fuck politeness. That, so guilty of <laughs> And then they joke too. They're like, "Pepper spray first and apologize later." Like, 
But I mean, it's true. Like how many women, how many, yeah, how many women have been literally murdered because they were too kind? They were trained to be polite. Mm -hmm. To put other people before themselves. And even if you have a weird feeling about it, that you're being irrational, that that feeling doesn't matter, that you need to be polite. Other people's feelings matter more than yours. And it's shameful, you know? But it's just, it's so telling. It's just, we, and, and, you know, I don't want to say like, women have all these issues or anything like that. It's just, it's very, when you do break it down in the most basic of ways, like we just did, there is conditioning there societally. And so it is how it is. And until you're aware of it, you can't change it. And you can't make changes in your own life to be able to start to do real self-care. So Mm -hmm. saying no to go real with yourself. Yeah. And like saying no to going to every single one of your kids soccer practices isn't selfish. That's not selfish. Making time for yourself isn't selfish. Now, I'm not saying if you have like a one year old and they're crying in their crib because they're hungry that you don't go feed the child because you're watching, you know, Days of Our Lives or something like that's not what we're saying here. (laughs) You know, like you have your priorities, right? Like if you have kids there are certain level of priority that you need to meet for them. Basic needs. Like you can't just be like, well, self-care. <laughs> you know, like, Feed yourself, Matilda. Yeah, Matilda. <laughs> you too. Make yourself mac and cheese. Matilda. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like you saying before that like Adam's parents are like a really good example of like just. Yeah. So like Adam played soccer and football when he was, you know, growing up and Anytime he would have, oh, and basketball, but anytime he had a tournament or any sort of game that wasn't, you know, within 30 minutes of the vicinity that they lived, like they wouldn't go. They would just, I mean, not every single time, but a lot of the times if it was a weekend tournament, they would send him with another family. And Adam looks back at that and he's like, there was nothing wrong with, with them doing that. There was nothing I have no long lasting effects in my adulthood because they chose to have time for themselves or not travel two hours out of their way to go to a one hour game when I was at a tournament all weekend, you know, and he looks at that actually as, as healthy and it's been healthy for our relationship. Now we don't have kids, but like date nights are important. Vacations are important. You know, like if we want to go out of town You know, we don't feel guilty that we have to take the dogs overnight to doggy daycare. They go to doggy daycare because they're getting what they need. We're getting what we need. And it makes us more present when we are home, you know, stuff like that. Just like as if we had kids, it's like, no, you can, we can go have a date night and the babysitter can come. Or you can go to the tournament with the Smith family this weekend and we'll, we'll make sure we go to your next game when you're here. Or we'll, we'll make sure to go to your next out of town tournament, but you don't have to go to every single one. You know, and I know some parents are probably listening to that, like, I could never do that. But are there things that you do that you probably don't have to do as a parent that we tell ourselves like that? This is a really good example. Um, the the podcast, um, I Mom So Hard, they talk about it's two women who are funny as hell, but they have kids and they talk about how um, she's like, I don't go to every soccer practice. I don't go to soccer practice. She's like, I go shopping or I go do errands when the kid is running around on the field. You know why? Part of it too is because the kid's job is to be playing the game or practicing. The kid's job isn't to be looking over to make sure I'm there. 
my presence at his soccer practice, it's, it's, it's a moot point, right? It's, it's, it doesn't matter. And actually a lot of coaches say they prefer when the parents aren't there because parents cause issues. Mm -hmm. So just food for thought, right? Like the kid is supposed to be playing a game or the kid is supposed to be practicing. Your presence there might actually be more distracting. And oftentimes coaches say it is because parents, especially these days, are a little unhinged when it comes to sports. It's like, oh, my God, he's seven. He's seven. (laughs) Cheryl, he's seven. (laughs) I think a lot of parents because they're like, well, you know, what if like my kid will be really upset if I don't go. But like now, like we'll go back to emptying your cup and not refilling it wouldn't. Wouldn't you rather your kid experience you at your fullest if you don't go to a game and experience that later instead of you just being tired and feeling like you're doing all of this out of obligation and just giving giving that crusty stuff at the bottom? Like, just, I don't know. You got to get really real with yourself. And I think it's hard to get real with yourself when you're continuously telling these sig- telling your body and your brain no when they're sending you these signals of, we don't like this. That's why like meditation and things like that are so, Mm -hmm. so important. If you can't, if you, if you see these signals and you're blocking them, stop blocking them. And I know that's really hard, very much easier said than done, but I know meditation is something that whether, whether you believe in it or not, I know it sounds really woo woo. And I was very, very resistant to meditation for a very, very long time. And my ADHD brain doesn't love it. Because it's wanting to do a million things and it's kind of slowing down and just getting really real with yourself. And it's really, really important to listen to those signals. They're there for a reason. It's mindfulness, right? It's mindfulness and being aware. And and I think mm-hmm. in terms of the meditation thing that you bring up, I the number one thing that comes up for people is, well, I just don't know what I want. I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what that next step is for me. I don't know what lights me up. It's because you haven't given yourself enough time to get quiet with yourself and to get to know yourself. And personally, for me, I think it starts with meditation. But for you, it could be a walk through nature. You know, like maybe that's where you start. But when people say, when people think meditation is like woo-woo, I really challenge that because scientifically it has been proven in 102 million ways how it's beneficial. And there's two sports teams, um, basketball teams, and I cannot remember off the top of my head which teams they are and which coach it is. But he um, he was a coach for two different NBA teams. And both of those teams under his leadership did exponentially better than prior. And one of the things he did with both of those teams is he implemented mandatory meditation. And the other thing is there are... Um, I believe seven areas of the world that they've identified where people naturally live longer and not only live longer, but a quality of life, not just quantity of years, a quality life where they're healthy and they're moving and they're doing things that they love and they are experiencing life well into their hundreds. And the common theme between all of those places around the world is that meditation is a common practice. They're called blue zones. So saying that like meditation is woo-woo or that you don't believe in meditation is like saying the sky isn't blue. Like there's evidence that it it helps. There's evidence that it is. But you have to meet people with where they're at. And I think that's what Jess is saying, where it's like not everybody is ready to sit down and meditate for, you know, four hours a day, right? And we're not saying that. But could you start with 
seven minutes or could you start with three minutes? Could you start with a guided meditation on YouTube that's five minutes long and just close your eyes? Because how often how often do we get quiet with ourselves? How often do we allow ourselves to sit with ourselves with no obligations, with no distractions, with no outside external noise, and just listen to internally what's going on? And then you observe the thoughts that come up. And something that I have found um, helpful when I meditate is I think of like, you know, those like clotheslines that move, like you can pull it. It's like a pulley system and it, it moves like to the side, you know? And then I literally, when thoughts come up for me, because in meditation, the, the goal is to really have, to observe thoughts. You have no emotion about the thought you simply observe them as they come up and watch them pass by and you could you could visualize these thoughts attaching themselves to a cloud and floating by what I do is I literally picture a clothespin and whatever thought comes up for me I almost take a photograph of that thought and I take the clothespin and I attach it to the line that's moving to the left and it just floats out of my view so I'm like physically in my mind something comes up like Uh, I have that meeting on Wednesday. I attach that to, I picture it as like a photograph and then I take a clothespin and I attach it to the line and it floats out of my mind. And so it's like this active thing that I'm doing with the thought, but I'm just allowing it to pass. And you will be amazed what things start to come up for you when you let yourself get quiet. And Um, When we did the vision board Zoom, we did a guided visualization of what your ideal life would be like. And I thought that was really helpful for people and really inspiring. But then after that, we did an exercise where I played a song and I asked people like, what in your life would you have to surrender in order to make your ideal life a reality for you, to be a physical reality for you? What would you have to give up? Would it be self-doubt? Would it be fear? Would it be imposter syndrome? Like, what would it be that you'd have to gently set down out of your life? And I think the reason that it was so moving for some people is because we don't give ourselves time to ever think about those things, to get honest with ourselves, or to simply have emotions bubble up that we've been suppressing because that's what we do, have those emotions come back up, and then not try to stuff them back down, but they're coming up and you're saying, I acknowledge you. I acknowledge that this is a piece of my existence right now. And I think that's what makes people tearful during that exercise. It's the release. It's the permission to feel those things. It's the permission to have it, to feel it, to acknowledge it, and then to simply say, it's okay. I appreciate that this emotion or whatever has tried to serve me and keep me safe, but I'm going to let you go now. And it's a release. And the first time that I ever did the exercise, I got very tearful because there was a lot of things that came up for me, a lot of emotions that I couldn't even put words to. Not all of it I could actually name, but it was just stuff. And so I let it go. But we need to get ourselves comfortable with hanging out with ourselves. And we need to get ourselves comfortable with spending five to 10 to an, minutes to an hour a day letting ourselves just be with ourselves. Because at the end of the day, we are human beings and we never let ourselves be. We are human beings. And I think the biggest mistake so many people make is that we are physical bodies with a spiritual self or we are physical bodies with an emotional self. 
And it's really, the it's quite the opposite. I'm not talking about religion here. I'm talking about energy. I'm talking about our existence as individuals. We are spiritual beings with a body. And we have to switch that narrative. We have to get that right. We are not simply cells smashed together by chance, right? Like, Oprah talks about this too and um, how... Her mom and her dad had sex one time under a tree in the evening, and she jokes about it. She's like, because my dad said he wanted to see what was up that poodle skirt. <laughs> Oprah came to be. Do you know the uh, the chances of that happening? The, the chances of anybody existing on this planet are like, like... How many sperm, and I'm not trying to be, like, crude here, but how many sperm had to race to that egg for you to get created? One sperm got the chance to fertilize that egg. One. Out of millions. Out of billions. One. The chance that you, you are even here in a physical plane of existence is a freaking miracle. And I'm not saying miracle in a religious term at all. I'm not religious. I'm saying a miracle in the in the terms of just like chance. Pure yeah, statistics. pure statistics. Like the, it's just like it's a number like number wise, like it's what? Like one out of like Oh billions. Trillion. I don't know. What's that what's that like re- like we send it to each other, I think. The real where it's like, you know, all of these all of these chances of, you know, winning the lottery and doing this and that. But the the chance of you existing is is by far the most like rare it's like one out of a huge number yeah huge number and so you were put on this spinning rock of a planet by a freaking miracle right like what you have to realize is we are not just a bunch of cells smashed together we are beings we are beings and we have to honor that we have to honor what it means to be a human being. And we have to stop getting caught up in the rat race of all the external stuff. And coming back to self-care, the rat race of of the industry, right? Of the industry that's been created about quote-unquote self-care and treating yourself, honoring yourself and loving yourself and just being amazed at your own existence is where it starts. Truly. It's just wild to me. It's wild to me that we go through our lives with such angst and monotony and discontent. And your life is whatever you make it. You get to do whatever you want to do. And I'm not just saying that. I'm not just blowing hot air. It's (laughs) do whatever you want. But it starts with like realizing that we can. It starts with the awareness that we can do that. That it's all already available to us. And then finding worthiness in ourselves to allow those things to happen. And that starts with self-care and self-love. Cheesy, I don't care. It's true. I thought that stuff was so freaking cheesy for years. And guess what? 
guess what? When you start embracing it and you get over it, because here's the thing. Why is it cheesy? Because somebody else told you it's cheesy. So you feel like, oh, that's so cheesy. Mm -hmm. Like somebody else told you, well, that's dumb. So you're like, yeah, I have to like maintain this crusty outer shell of like resistance to anything that might be deeper than superficiality. Why do you, why is it dumb to you? Mm -hmm. Why is self-love dumb? There's a reason there. So yeah. Like, why is that dumb to love yourself? And what, and when it is really hard to love yourself picture yourself as that little five-year-old would you tell that little five-year-old all the things that you tell yourself as an adult that you're not good enough that you're not worthy that you can't do that that you're not capable that who are you to do that would you tell that to a little five-year-old absolutely not so when you're telling that to yourself as an adult you're telling that to your five-year-old version of yourself her little pigtails and jelly shoes other people will beat you up enough. You don't have to do it to yourself, too. That's my soapbox. Mm-hmm. I love your soapboxes. I wanted to give a couple of resources for people in terms of mm, meditation. Yeah. Like I said, I was Ooh, very... Yeah. I have a good one, too, when you're done. Yeah. I know you have some really... You've, I love... I want to try yours, actually. But I, I, like I've said before, I was very, very hesitant and um, just kind of... Resistant? I don't know. Skeptical. Resistant. Resistant. Crit- or... Uh, all, critical all I think critical yeah <laughs> and I actually c- critical critical skeptical all of the above um and I actually started well there's an app called 10% happier which is kind of targeted towards people like that who are like mm-hmm. oh, meditation's like woo woo weird and uncomfortable and whatever it's woo woo and it breaks it down in ways that well first it shows you and you can experience it and realize, okay, I actually like this and this is helpful, but very, lots of really good resources. The guy, I think he wrote a book, but the app is very, very helpful. But something that, so like with my brain and my ADHD and everything, I feel like I always have to be productive. I always have to be doing something or my brain, like that's why meditation, just the thought of it. I'm just like, there's absolutely no way. There's no way because if I'm, if I'm just sitting there, I'm going to be thinking of a gazillion things. And I know there's other people like that, even you or like moms. Like there's, you always have something going on in your head, especially in today's society with social media and the internet. Like we're just inundated with stimuli and everything. It's, it's overwhelming. So inadvertently, I kind of began with what's called RAMWAD and it stands for range of motion workout of the day. It's actually like a stretching, like it's, it's for increasing your range of motion it's very it's highly used by like top professional um crossfit athletes and i'm not a big i'm like i'm not a crossfitter personally but a couple years ago one of my um like partners on the ambulance he was in crossfit and we were like looking at some of the professional people's instagrams and stuff and one of them was showing them doing this ramwad thing and i was like what is that so i ended up subscribing so I've been doing this for, I don't know, almost three years, I think. And it's like 15 minutes. Uh, there's different ranges of times. So it doesn't have to be super long, but essentially what you're doing, it's, it's, it's not like yoga where you're having to like put forward <laughs> effort. It's passive stretching, but you're doing these poses, which is great. Effort, right. Um, but <laughs> I'm lazy, <laughs> but you're doing these stretches for a, at least a few minutes at a time. And traditional stretching where you're doing it for like 20 30 seconds you know your muscles will stretch but they will go back but doing the the longer amount of times allows your muscles to fully stretch out and your tendons ligaments joints to open 
and it to stay that way. So it actually does increase your range of motion. So that, that aside, I realized that these routines were actually giving me a time to just kind of lay there and do these, do these passive stretching and turn my mind off. I would do these every single shift more than once I would on the ambulance. Like I would turn my radio down. I'd tell them if I have, if there's a call, come knock on my door, but I'm going to turn the radio off. I'm going to turn the lights off. I'm going to put my mat on the ground and I'm just going to do this. And it was, it's was so grounding for me. I do them every day. Like I've never done one and not felt better afterwards. And I think it's a way that I can justify just getting Mm -hmm. quiet with myself because I'm also stretching my body and it's really helped my brain be able to shut off because I never used to be able to do that before. So highly recommend. I know Morgan. Yeah, no, I I love them. I think they're super beneficial, not only from a physical standpoint, but I think for people that do have a hard time um, focusing or quieting their mind when they're sitting still, I think it's, it gives that tactical or physical outlet to be able to take that energy and do something constructive with it while also simultaneously turning your brain off. And the whole point of Ramwad, it is designed to be not only a physical stretch, but it's supposed to be a mental stretch. Like they literally during the time that you are doing these stretches, he encourages you to, to simply exist, to simply take your mind and quiet your mind and, you know, not have all these external things coming at you and it, and actually I think the last like two minutes of every Ramwad you literally just lay there that's the whole yeah favorite part it's called the rebound mm-hmm. where you literally just lay there and it's it's for a physical thing but also mental like there's so many times where I'll mm-hmm. just like fall asleep because I'm so mm-hmm. relaxed. and they play like really relaxing music. And that's like what they that's what they yeah. encourage yeah yes it is like it is intoxicating. It's addicting. Like I love, I I, I look forward to them. Like sometimes if I'm not feeling good mentally, physically, I'm just like, I'm gonna go do. We call them Ramis because we don't like the name Ramwad. It sounds like a wad of toilet paper. So we'll be like, I'm gonna go do a Rami. Like I'll talk to you a little bit. <laughs> it's like a Ramwad. Really, I'm I know, like, I know, but they are really helpful. So I mean, that's a recommendation to start with if you don't feel you could do meditation at this point. But what I also want to add, and I'll talk about what I use, but. Um, it's called a meditation practice, right? And it's it's called practice because it it's hard, right? Like there is meditation is hard. I don't know that there's anyone in this world that doesn't find challenge in sitting still and just being with themselves and letting their thoughts just pass them by. And eventually the point of meditation is to get to a point where you're not having thoughts, where you're simply an observer, you know, and it's called a practice because you have to practice, you know, so you have to start somewhere. I think Ramwads are a wonderful place to start. I also encourage people to, if you can only muster sitting with yourself in being still in a dark room and having your spiritual practice. And when I say spiritual, I mean spiritual with yourself. It doesn't have to be to any sort of divine anything. It could just be honoring yourself. You know, my my definition of spiritual is very loosey-goosey and it has nothing to do with religion. It's more so just honoring the energy of you and what that means for you. And you have to practice though. Like you have to start somewhere. It's just like you can't get on a treadmill and run five miles if you haven't done it. You have to start with five minutes or you have to start with walking or you have to start with, you know, maybe just stretching before you even get on the treadmill. So you start with where you're at, not with where you want to be. 
And what what I have found helpful with meditation is I have um, I use an app called Sacred Acoustics, and it was developed by uh, Eben Alexander, and his story is crazy bananas. He was a neurosurgeon who I think I've mentioned him a long time ago, maybe in one of our first two episodes. But I am in the process of listening to his audiobook that um, I will link somewhere. But um, it's called like Proof of Heaven or something. Uh, but he doesn't identify heaven in like a in a religious way. It's like I said, more of a spiritual plane of existence. But he's a neurosurgeon that went into a deep coma, and the chances of him surviving were almost nothing. And in that coma, he saw and heard things that were pretty profound. But he, when he came to, because of his um, scientific background, he was able to actually harness the sounds that he heard that he identifies as divine. And he put, he worked with an engineer to put these sounds into a app and the app is called Sacred Acoustics and it's all sorts of different uh, meditations. They do have a couple free versions on there. So, you know, if you just want to do the free guided meditation, she doesn't talk the whole time. It's maybe like the first five or 10 minutes and then they let you just get quiet and it's all these different sounds. But the whole idea of all of these different variations is that all of the sound acoustics um, induce different brain waves in your brain to induce different things happening. So like you have four main brain waves that occur, the different brain waves stimulate different parts of you. You know, maybe it's your intuition, maybe it's your creativity, maybe it's your healing. So I own, I think I have maybe have bought like six of them, six different ones, but I use that and you can, if you can only do five minutes then only do five minutes and do the free version. But I do anywhere from 10 minutes if I'm feeling squirrely and just feel like I can't get into it. 10 minutes to I've done up to an hour of sitting and just listening to these sounds and trying to quiet my mind. I am by no means an expert in meditation, not even close. I just started like a month ago and it's a practice, right? Like I don't do it every single day because I'm still practicing. I'm still trying to get into that flow and make it a routine. It is my goal to be able to make it a morning practice and an evening practice and do it twice a day. But right now where I'm at, I have to meet myself with where I'm at and where I'm at is 10 minutes to an hour when I can. And that's usually at least three to four times a week, but it's beneficial. And I could tell after I do it, the physical response that I have, the mental response that I have, there's a calmness that usually follows you around after you do it. And, you know, sometimes if I can't quiet my mind all the way, I'll choose a couple mantras and I'll just repeat those to myself. If I can't, if I can't quiet the things coming up and it's just too much, then I just keep, you know, it's like a little kid. Like if you don't keep the little kid busy, they'll find something to be busy with. You know, if you're, if you don't keep your thoughts busy, sometimes they'll run amok. And so it's like, here, I will give you something to do. You're going to sit here and color, you know, like, or you're going to sit here. And for my thoughts, it's like, I'm going to give you a mantra that you can repeat so you can keep yourself busy so that you don't start, you know, running amok during my practice. So, you know, it could be something like I'm open and willing to receive. I think meditation is powerful. And when I go to Bali, I plan on fully either find somebody who is skilled or an expert in it and having them work with me to be able to um, enhance my experience so that I can bring that back home with me and have a newfound knowledge or 
appreciation for some piece of it that I maybe didn't know before. Speaking of Bali, I guess wrapping up, I hope you guys follow up with that if you're interested. Like I said, if you follow up with Kayla from Luxury Retreats, you can get $500 off. And then if you refer another pair to go, you can get another $500 off for $1,000 off the package price. And I'm just looking forward to an, an incredible experience. I obviously hope that you guys come, but either way, I will be fully embracing every single moment and being so present when we are there. It's going to be absolutely incredible. We will see you guys next time. Remember, we drop new episodes every Sunday at 9 a.m. If you enjoyed this episode, if you would do us a huge, big, loving favor and leave a five-star review and write something about the episodes that you've been enjoying, it helps us tremendously, and it's a free way to support our show is writing a review. We would greatly appreciate that. If you uh, want to find us, yeah, we love we you. Love if you, you want to find us on Instagram, it's the Dropouts <laughs> FM, like FM Radio, and you can DM us there with any questions, comments, concerns, and we will see you guys next time. Goodbye. Bye.